Hi, everybody. John Asselon here with This Week in APA. Thanks for coming along and uh, listening to episode number 80. Can you believe it? This is our 80th episode of the TWIA. Uh, uh, proud to say that. And uh, I'll tell you, this could be the best of the 80. And I, I think we've had some great guests. I think every guest that I've had on here has been outstanding uh, some uh, maybe better than others, some more well-known than others, uh, definitely. But uh, uh, today, going to do a, uh, a podcast with Paul Doherty, a sports writer for the Cincinnati Enquirer. He's been uh, doing sports here in Cincinnati since the mid-80s. Uh, Paul uh, did a replay of the 1975 World Series, that classic World Series between the Cincinnati Reds and the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he replayed it using the APA basic game. He reached out on Facebook. Uh, I got a hold of him, told him I can uh, get what he needed. Uh, he went ahead and played the games. He played the first five solo, and then he enlisted the help of one Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman, who uh, they're good friends. Uh, he asked Marty to join him on game six and if need be a game seven. And I'll tell you what, uh, uh, the ensuing uh, conversation between them, I think that's entertainment <laughs> worthy of an instant classic all by itself. You're going to really enjoy this podcast. Uh, uh, the first interview I'm going to do is with Paul. Uh, who, who, like I said, played the first five games, and then uh, there'll be a break, and then uh, Marty joins uh, uh, myself and Paul for the final segment. So uh, we're going to talk about the replay of the 1975 World Series between the Reds and the Red Sox. Uh, a classic, certainly game six was. We'll see how many of the games in this replay series were that way as well. So stick around and listen up to This Week in Apple. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody, to This Week in APA. I am your host, John Asselon, and as promised, we are going to go to the Wayback Machine, back to 1975, 45 years ago. The Cincinnati Reds and the Boston Red Sox played in the World Series. I think we all know how that ended. The Reds won in seven games. And uh, my first guest is a guy who uh, thought, you know what, let's go back and replay that in these odd times since we're locked up in the house he is Paul Doherty. He is uh, a Cincinnati Enquirer sports writer, also uh, has his articles come up on Cincinnati.com. He's been uh, sports writing in Cincinnati for 27 years. And Paul, thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on this week in APA. Thank you, John. My pleasure. Now, like I said, you've been, you've been doing sports writing for a long time. You started in 1994 in Cincinnati, but uh, you haven't seen a professional championship come your way since you've been writing. The Reds last won in 1990. The Bengals have never won, and who knows when they will. I guess the Cyclones, the, the minor league hockey team, won a Calder Cup a few years back. But was that part of your motivation to go back to 75 and replay the series? Uh, no, because actually I got here in 88 and, and did six years at the Cincinnati Post. Oh, okay. So I, I was here. Yeah, I was here for the 90 World Series. Um, no, yeah. my motivation was I uh, – I, I'm still required to, to write three or four columns a week as well as four blog entries. And without any sports to write, write about, I had to kind of make them up. And I, I've always played uh, baseball board games, Zappa and Stratomatic. And, and uh, I thought, why not? This is the most famous World Series, at least around here, ever. So <laughs> let's, see if we can, let's see if we can replay it and, and see what the result is. It really was. I mean, one of the most iconic World Series in baseball history. Certainly Game 6, arguably the best game in World Series history. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, uh, well, you did mention kind of uh, you had some experience with APA, but uh, how did you decide to land on the APA basic game to do this particular one? Well, I, I, I sent out the bat signal. I sent out the bat <laughs> signal for uh, people who... Uh, who needed, uh, who, who had, who might've had a copy of that. <laughs> Sorry about the dog. That's all right. Dog. Hey, and he's, he's, he's excited to, well. yeah, but he's anyway, going. on the blog, I sent out the bat signal. I said, you know what? I, uh, I'm going to try to do this, but I don't have the cards. 
And, and if anybody knows where I can get these cards, give me a shout. And you came to my rescue, John. For which well, I'm, I'm deeply appreciative. <laughs> I was happy to. And uh, I got a hold of John Herson, the game company uh, president. And uh, uh, you hooked up with him. He got you everything you needed. And uh, I guess the rest is history as, as you started uh, the series. Talk about a little bit how you um, prepared uh, uh, for the series. What uh what uh, research went into it, and how did you, you set the game up? What parameters did you use? Uh, I, I went strictly by the way it was played in 75. Thank God we have baseballreference.com. Uh, gotcha. They have all the lineups there, obviously. Uh, I, I started every game with the lineups that, that the managers, that Daryl Johnson, Sparky Anderson used. I used the same pitching, uh, starting pitchers. I tried to think the way that those guys thought. Uh, I, I knew, obviously, about Sparky's tendency to go to the bullpen somewhat early and often. Um, I knew Daryl Johnson relied more on his starting pitchers to give him innings because his bullpen wasn't quite as good. Uh, the, the, the depth of, of the uh, Reds bench was better. Um, I, I just tried to think the way I thought they would, and, and um, it, it turned out pretty well. Now, what I've been doing, I've, I haven't finished it yet, is writing a column from every game based on the game and who was a star and what were the circumstances. And for example, the first two games were in Boston and they were won by the Red Sox in, in the APPA series. And there were clear heroes in both. So first game, Louis Tiant uh, threw a complete game three to two win. So I did the column on Louis Tiant and game two, the Red Sox won eight to five. Thanks to Yastrzemski and Fisk. So I did a column combining uh, Carl Yastrzemski and Carlton Fisk. And to do that, I, I literally spent two or three hours with after each game researching what they actually said during the series, their backgrounds, you know, who they were in terms of the, their importance to the Red Sox. So I, I put the time in and what resulted was kind of a, a, an historical fiction uh, of my World Series. You know, and Paul, that is the fascinating thing about what you're doing. There, are, There's hundreds of people that have probably replayed the 75 World Series amongst the APA community. But the fact that you did it and then uh, as if you were back recording that as a sports writer, you did columns prior to the World Series. You did a column on each game. Uh, I, and I, I've i been reading them now. I haven't gotten, and I, and I should say that, that you haven't uh, given out all the information uh, online and and at the Enquirer, but uh, and but I can't wait to read them. I mean, they they are. It takes me back to '75. I I was on the Reds yeah. grounds crew then, and and just to think to go back, it does make you feel like you're back there. The columns are great, and that was what was unique about what you did. Well, the, the interesting thing is, like today, today I'm writing Game Three. The the series is over. I finished the series. Right. I know how it ends. Obviously, I haven't caught up with the writing yet, but. Uh, Game three, uh, a big, uh, a big uh, part of it uh, went, went to Gary Nolan. Gary Nolan was was instrumental. Mm -hmm. And what I did, I I'd read that Johnny Bench and Gary Nolan had grown up together essentially in baseball. They started out together in the instructional league. They were roommates on the road, and not only had developed a, a good relationship on them uh, between them on on the mound and at, at catcher, but were also pretty good friends. So I I called Johnny yesterday. And uh, I talked to him for about 45 minutes about Gary Nolan. So the column after the game, after game three, is going to be about Johnny Bench's real life relationship with Gary Nolan. Oh, so, and and those are the things that that really I think when people go back and read it, and I've already heard some response uh, uh, from people on on Facebook and and uh, in social media about how great those articles are, and it really is. And I think that you incorporated things that actually were said. Uh, back yeah. in 1975, and and then you went and actually called Johnny Bench to to talk to him about it and get the background on he and Gary Nolan. Uh, incredible, and 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 I I really uh, I think once you get through games three and beyond, uh, I think it's just going to get better and better. Now you said that you played uh, the first two games, the games that were in Boston, the Red Sox won both. I know Tion threw a great game, uh, a complete game in game one. And as you said, Fisk and uh, and uh, uh, Ustremski, uh took charge offensively in game two. Um, so now the Reds are, are in a hole, down two games. They're down 0-2, coming home, where they had a 64-17 and 17 record during the regular season at Riverfront Stadium. So yeah, things might are. be looking up for them. 
<laughs> and uh, and even in your article said Sparky said, "Don't worry, I'm not worried." So let's <laughs> let's yeah. move let's yeah. move on to Game Three. So so where where do we go from here? Uh, we have we have Gary Nolan against Rick Wise in Game Three, and then we go uh, Freddie Norman and, and Luis Tiant in Game Four, which in my World Series was the equivalent of the real Game Six. It was uh, it was a classic game. One by one team in twelve innings. I mean, I, I can tell you how the whole thing played out if you want me to. Yeah, and 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 you know, I, I actually I, I'm I really don't want to know because I really want to read okay. the articles, and I am going to hold back the publishing this podcast till after all your articles are out. Not that we have a huge audience, but uh, I think it is going to be more fun to be able to read about what you've captured and what you've done. But yeah, for this podcast and. When it's all over, everybody, you know, anyway. So, yeah, let's just let's just move on. You want me to tell you yeah. what, what happened? Yeah, you let's do. go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, game three back in Cincinnati. Reds won easily, five to nothing. Gary Nolan, seven in the third innings, three hits, no runs. It was a one-nothing game until the bottom of the eighth. The Reds, uh, the Reds got to uh, Boston relievers for four runs in the eighth and kind of made it uh, made that ninth inning pretty easy. So they're down two to one. They had to win that one. Uh, game four was to me the the turning point in the series. The Reds won three to two and twelve on uh, a Joe Morgan base hit that that uh, scored pinch hitter Doug Flynn, who had opened the game opened the twelfth with a single. Uh, back and forth, Reds were up one nothing. Red Sox tied it. Reds went up two to one. Red Sox tied it, and it went that way uh, until the bottom of the twelfth. The, the the big story in this was the incredible work of the Reds bullpen. I got uh, seven and a third innings of no hit, no run ball from wow. Eastwick, McEnany, Carroll, and Pedro Borbone. And that was kind of the way it went the whole series. Once the Reds' bullpen was engaged, the Red Sox just got shut down. Um, great start for Louis Tiant. He went eight innings, gave up two runs, his second, his second great start. Reds tie the series at 2 2. Uh, game five, Red Sox come right back, win 5 4 and 10. On a base hit by Yastrzemski, a double mm. by Yastrzemski with uh, two outs in the tenth. Reds tried to come back in the bottom half. Actually had runners at first and second, and nobody out, but could not score. Van Driesen popped out to the catcher to end it. So the Red Sox take a three-two games edge going back home. All right, so Fenway. So, so let's stop right there. We got uh, the Reds who bounced back down two games and none coming home. They had a great home record, as you mentioned. They take the next two games, uh, like you said, easily in game three behind Gary Nolan and then a, a great 12-inning victory in game four. So you got to think the Reds probably have a slight advantage now because they got the, the fifth game at home, but they fall five to four in 10 innings. And uh, now you're going back to Boston. Now, in real life, there was the travel day on October 17th, but the rains came to Boston, yeah. and there was a, a three-day break. The next game, Game Six, did not happen until October twenty-first, uh, and and so now that that doesn't matter in Napa. I mean, you're just going, you, you go to the next game, you put in the lineups and the rotations, and and you go. So let's go to Game uh, Six. This is the game yeah. that uh, the Reds need to win to stay on top, and right. and now we we're we're in the unfriendly confines of of, of Fenway Park. And go from there. Well, let me let me backtrack just a second. Sure. Uh, in terms of, of APA, it, obviously it's cards and not people, so it doesn't have an impact. But the fact that they had all those days off because of the rain allowed me to go back heavily to the bullpen again. I mean, let's see. In, the, in game four, Sparky used uh, four relievers, Eastwick, McEnany, Carroll, Bourbon. In game five, Sparky used four more, Billingham, Darcy, Bourbon, and McEnany. I couldn't, in good conscience, even right. with the, day, the travel day, go to the well again with all these bullpen guys if I wanted to be realistic about it. But the fact that in real life they did have the three-day or whatever it was break because right. of all the rain, right. I could, in good conscience, use anybody I wanted in game six. True, true. And, and um, it, I mean, it didn't it, really matter that much, actually, in game six. But uh, once again – Reds win game six, six to nothing. Wow. Um, in terms of, of excitement, this was the least exciting game of the series. They got four runs in the fifth, break up a 0-0 game, Tiant and Nolan. 
Uh, Nolan, again, eight innings, three hits, no runs, one walk. Um, he, he was outstanding. Tony Perez had three hits and a home run. Uh, Pete Rose, who was the MVP in real life, right. and only had seven hits in the seven games in, in my series, nevertheless, had a two-run single in game six. So now we're tied up, tied up at three with game seven at Fenway. And wow. I will tell you what happened. Actually, for, for what it's worth, uh, Marty Brenneman played – managed quote unquote the Reds um, in game six and seven. And he can tell you about that, but we, we ba- yeah. essentially got on the phone and conference called and yeah. he's got a, his own app set. So he had all the charts. And, and so when I, he rolled for the Reds and I rolled for the Red Sox. So Marty guided him to a win in game six and we're tied up and we go to game seven. Um, I go ahead two nothing after one, the Red Sox do. Run scoring singles from Lynn and Petroselli, roughing up Don Gullett, who who had a really an awful World Series in Napa, uh, <laughs> not good at all. Uh, he ended up going uh, in Game Seven, three innings, giving up seven hits and five runs before Marty pulled him. Um, I get two in the bottom of the first, but the Reds come back with three in the top of the second off uh, Bill Lee. Spaceman was not mm-hmm. sharp the whole series either. Uh, so the Reds are up three-two. We go to the fifth inning. I'm sorry, we go to the bottom of the third. I get three more. I got a pinch hit three-run triple from Doug Griffin. And it was Doug Griffin's only at-bat <laughs> of the series. He had a bases-loaded triple pinch hitting for Lee. And I'm up five to three till we get to the top of the fourth, or excuse me, top of the fifth. The Reds get, uh, the Reds get four more. RBI double from Morgan, RBI single from Foster, two-run single from Griffey who had an excellent series, had 11 hits in the series. Wow. Uh, and the Reds are up 7-5. And again, after five innings, the bullpen bullpen does what the bullpen does. Yeah. Uh, they get two. Marty gets two innings from Bourbon, three innings from Eastwick, and closes out with McEnany. They go a total of six innings, two hits, no runs. Reds win the series with a 7-5 win. Now, you mentioned, you said Doug Griffin. You mean Doug Flynn with the, with the triple. Right? No, 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 Doug Griffin pinch hitting for the Red Sox. He's an infielder. Oh, Doug Griffin for the Red Sox. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, the yeah, Red Sox loaded him up with one yeah. out in the third, and I debated actually. I, I debated leaving Bill Lee in because I was so afraid of the Red Sox bullpen. <laughs> um, right. But uh, I did pinch hit, and it was a great move with the three run triple at that point. But then the bullpen came in, and and Roger Moret and Rick Wise and Dick Drago were not that great, especially. Uh, Moret and Wise in, in the Reds' fifth combined to give up four runs. Well, and you're exactly right, and that's why uh, uh, Daryl Johnson, the uh, Red Sox manager, stuck with his starters for so long, yeah. and, and conversely why Sparky was nicknamed Dr. Hook because he did have a great bullpen. I mean, you mentioned uh, you know not, not uh, in good conscience using a full bullpen in game six, uh, Sparky mm-hmm. used seven relievers in that game in that twelve inning contest. That was the yeah. the classic of all time. But uh, yeah, Sparky was never afraid to go to the bullpen, and for good reason. They they were oh, they were great. Bunch. I mean, yeah. in, in my series, the bullpen went twenty nine innings, gave up eleven hits and five earned runs, and, and three of those earned runs, I believe, were in one game. Well, that and that's really the difference in the series. So just like in yeah. real life. It went seven games. Tell me this: what what uh, what prompted you to call Marty after five games and say, "Hey, man, do you want to play uh, Game Six? And if we do need it, Game Seven? I just thought it would be fun. Marty yeah. and I are buds, and and uh, we're both sitting around a house like everybody else, not right. doing anything. And and uh, and and amazingly, and he'll tell you the story. He had, I think I just said, he had a copy of the game, the original copy, the 1975 version <laughs> of Appa. How about and that? it was still in the box and had not been opened. <laughs> he found it in his basement. So we were able to play like that where Marty had his charts in front of him and I had my charts in front of me, and, and we just did it over the phone. Oh, that's great. I, can't, I really can't wait to talk to him uh, about that. I'm sure he had a, a, a great time. Um, you said you mentioned Pete Rose was the actual MVP of the series. In your mind, I don't think there's much question, who do you think the MVP of the series was? Oh, Gary Nolan. Yeah. Yeah, Gary Nolan went uh, 15 and two-thirds shutout innings. Yeah. And he, and he, he, won, game, he won game three when they were on the ropes, and he, and he won game six um, also when they were on the ropes. So, yeah, Gary Nolan, was he was fantastic. 
Yeah, and Gary Nolan was was a very, very good pitcher. A lot of people don't remember Nolan because he had a couple of really good years with the Reds and then kind of fell off, had some arm trouble. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the Reds during that time, 75 and even 76, were known more for their offense and not so much for the starting pitching. Their, their bullpen was one of the best in the league. But uh, uh, Gary Nolan, uh, kind of an underrated guy back in those days. And he and he had been bypassed. Sparky, Sparky looked at Gullett as the ace. I mean, Gullett made three mm-hmm. starts in the series. Uh, and in, in my series was bad in all of them. Didn't get out of the uh, didn't get out of the third inning. I don't think in any of them. Um, wow. So it was it was Nolan was Nolan was the guy. Well, that's uh, uh, that's uh, really uh, an astounding part uh, of that uh, series is that Gary Nolan two shutouts and like you said when the Reds are backs up against the wall certainly in Game Six had to come through and yeah. he did in, in a big way. What do you think? If I have to ask, is the was a turning point of the series for you? Do you think it was that game three? Uh, well, no, I thought it was game four. You know, the if the Reds lose game four, they're down three to one. I don't think they win the series. Not with two to play. It's still to play in Boston. Yeah. Uh, winning game four when they when they could have lost. Right. Uh, I mean, it was it went twelve innings and, and they win it in the bottom of the twelfth. That that was the key game. And again, they couldn't have done it without the bullpen. I mean, seven and a third innings of, of no hit, no run, one walk baseball. That's, uh, that, that's incredible, but true to life. And that's one of the things about about APA uh, is that when you talk about realism and simulating either a series or a season, uh, whatever you do, the numbers oddly seem to come out pretty accurately. Now, you'll have some outliers on either end and uh uh, you know, I'm uh, like I said, I'm playing a, a 64 uh, season replay, and there are some guys that are right on the mark, other guys that are really outplaying themselves in real life and underplaying in real life. But it's it's really uh, it's really amazing how it duplicates. How, I mean, how do you feel the game of Apple plays? I thought it was great. I um, like I, I was more a stratomatic guy growing up. Uh, I did have an an app set probably 1970 <laughs> 71. Um, but this was very, it was very easy to play. Um, and, and obviously very realistic. I mean, some, some things are different, obviously, and I could play it. The beauty of it is I could start it all over again today and have a totally different result. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> uh, right. and that's not because the, the, the stuff is inaccurate. It's because it was that close. Right. And, and, and this series that I played reflected how tight. The, 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 this the series was. I forget in real life how many one run games they had, but I, I maybe four or five. It was, it was five. Yeah, they had okay. uh, the the six nothing win in game one behind uh, Tion, and then the uh, uh, Reds winning in game five at home six two. Everything else a one run game with two extra inning contests. Well, I had two extra innings. Yeah, and I had three one run games, and and so so that's pretty good. And, yeah. And, um, very, yeah, it was, the simulation was was great. They, they did a great job. Eerily accurate, I might add. Yeah. You know, you know, we're going to have to delete that part about Stratomatic out of the podcast. Okay, but, well, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> well, listen, Doc, uh, it was great hearing your version of, of the World Series. Uh, for the next segment, we're going to bring on the Hall of Famer Marty Brunneman. Can you stick around? Sure. All right, great. We'll uh, we'll do that. We'll take a quick break. When we come back. Marty Brenneman's going to give us uh, his take of replaying game six and seven of the World Series. So stick around, everybody. You're listening to This Week in APA. Welcome back, everybody, to This Week in APA. I'm your host, John Azalon, and uh, I want to welcome back Paul Doherty uh, with the Cincinnati Enquirer and Cincinnati.com, who uh, replayed the 1975 World Series. And my guest for this segment, well, he is a bona fide, genuine Hall of Famer. He was a Reds broadcaster for 46 years, starting in 1974, ended his career after the 2019 season. In 2000, he was presented with the Ford C. Frick Award. He is in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown broadcast wing, and later this year, at some point in time, will be uh, inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. He is... Marty Brenneman. Marty, I got first question for you is how we looking? Right now, we're not looking too good, John. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I mentioned this to, to Paul in the first segment. Uh, 
You know, these are times that none of us have been through anything like this. My father's 92 years old. He's never seen anything like this. But, uh, you know, something like this where we can kind of take our minds off of the grim news that we see and hear every day, uh, it's got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, what Doc and I did, we had a good time doing it. Uh, game six and seven um, on APA, and it, it was a lot of fun. It was certainly a distraction from what we're all dealing with uh, tedious day after tedious day. And, and, and uh, I say thank God for any little thing like that that will take your mind, uh, albeit a brief period of time, off of what we're having to deal with around the world. Well, well said. And uh, uh, we were talking about the 75 World Series. Take us back to that time. You were had just finished your second regular uh, season with the Cincinnati Reds. You started in 74. Uh, talk about what was going through your mind when you were going to the World Series in 75. Well, I mean, obviously, I was overwhelmed by it all. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think back to the first, uh, my first season in 74, and they fell behind, I don't know, 11 and a half, 12 and a half games behind the Dodgers and almost caught them in September. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they really came close to catching L.A. in the final month of the season before falling back. And then, of course, in 75, um, they just made shambles of the National League West. And uh, I think they won the division that year by 10 games. And then, of course, in 76, they won it by 20. And I still maintain that they they did that against the second-best team in baseball. I thought the Dodgers, uh, man-to-man, were better than the Red Sox in 75. And, and I thought that they were clearly better than the the Yankees in 76. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was just awed by being involved and, and having an opportunity to work on NBC with Gowdy and Garagiola and Kubek and, 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 you know, reflecting back upon it years later, uh, is being, uh, at least on the periphery of, uh, arguably the best world series or certainly one of the top three or four world series that's ever been played right. with game number six, of course, standing out head and shoulders above the rest of those games. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I can go back to 75. I was on the grounds crew uh, in that year. Started in 72, so I saw the Reds A's in 72, and then, uh, you know, 75 with the Reds Red Sox. And, and you know, just going through, uh, you know, the, the time frame and, and what it was like and, and, and the Reds with, uh, you know, both these teams were up against it. I mean, the, the Red Sox obviously hadn't won since 20, uh, 1918, the Reds' last World Series was in 1940, so both teams kind of felt like they were, eh, you know, people were expecting something to happen here. The Reds had been great since 70 and, and still hadn't won anything. No, the last World Series for the Reds was 61 uh, when the Yankees beat them in five games. Right, yeah. Uh, but yeah. but I, I think that there was certainly a – I think there was more pressure on the Reds at that time, even though the Red Sox had to dial it back to, to 1918 because – you know, the Reds had been the dominant team in the National League beginning in 1970, and they had not been able to win it. And, and yeah. so I think there was uh, a tremendous measure of, of pressure applied to that team because as good a ball club as it was, uh, everybody was quick to say in those early years of that decade, well, you know, they can't win a World Series. Right. And so uh, for them to be able to do it and do it in the manner in which they did uh, took the monkey off their back. And and I think that that is reflected by the fact that, as I said, they, they go ahead the following year and win the division by 20 games right. uh, and then beat the Phillies in the National League postseason and then go on and sweep the Yankees in the World Series. So uh, they, they certainly got the monkey off their back and, 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 and winning that, that series against the Red Sox. Okay, so let's go down to the replay. Doc calls you up and says, Marty, hey, uh, do you want to do game six? Maybe they'll be in game seven. What was your reaction when Doc called with that information? Well, I was thrilled about it because uh, and Doc had no way of knowing. I I might have told him. I I don't remember that. But I had an APA game that a guy sent me. Um, I can't begin to tell you how many years ago (laughs) he heard me mentioning it on the radio one night. It had to be at least 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And and heard me talking about APA and how it's uh, actually when I, I I got involved with it when I was uh, a student at at, uh, at the University of North Carolina, and and uh, and I had the as I told Doc I I got the baseball game first, 
Then I got the NFL game, and then I got the golf game. Oh, you've and, done it all. Yeah, well, I, I the basketball game I didn't get oh. because it was too blasted hard to play. It was uh, tedious. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So I just passed on the basketball game. But I, uh, and quite honestly, I love the golf game. I absolutely yeah. fell in love with the golf game, and yeah. um, and so I got involved in it when I was a college student. And 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 this guy heard me talking about it one night, and just out of the blue sent me uh, the complete box. Uh, and, and the cards in that particular box was from the 75 season <laughs> and, and I had opened the box. I'd never, ever played the game since from the time I got, uh, th- this gift from the fellow in, 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 uh, in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, until doc called me and we got it all out and we went after it in game number six. Uh, and, and doc, I didn't even ask you, uh, I guess I should, but is baseball the only app of product that you played? Yes. Yeah. So, but, but it, it, next it, question. Next question. Yeah, yeah. Hey doc, stick around. We got more for you. <laughs> uh, hey, but, hey uh, John, he would love the golf game. I oh, mean, I bet he would. We both play. And, uh, I, 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 I thought the golf game was sensational. I really did. It, it really is. And, and there's always a learning curve to any time you, you pick up any of these games. I've only played the app, uh, baseball game. Now I only play it on computer just for time uh, constraints, but, uh, but rolling the dice, I mean, there's nothing like it. And I've seen the the golf game played, and I've kind of dabbled in it. But once you get that learning curve down, the, the games are really outstanding to play. Yes, they are. No question about it. All right. So let's get to the to the to back to the World Series. The Red Sox are leading the Reds in this uh, replay, three games to two, going back to Boston. I, I asked Doc this, and and you know, during in real life, there was the travel day. Uh, on the uh, 17th, but then Reigns came to Boston and game six wasn't played till October 21st. So you had four days in between. Marty, you were rolling for the Cincinnati Reds. I, I, and uh, I think that that's where you wanted to be. But what was going in through your mind as you go to game number six, the Reds against the wall? Well, I mean, you know, I try to project myself into the kind of uh, thought process that uh, the people were involved in it. And, and you mentioned the, the delay because the weather was so blasted bad in Boston. It was cold. It was rainy. And I mean, guys just sat around, yeah. uh, you know, Sparky would take them uh, to work out. And uh, that was the extent of uh, any baseball related activity they had. They, yeah. they certainly had an opportunity to, to uh, enjoy all the great uh, restaurants and cuisine that Boston and, and that part of the country had to offer. Uh, so from that standpoint, it was really cool. But uh, everybody was antsy. Everybody wanted to play. And uh, everybody realized the import of game number seven, uh, game number six. And, uh, you know, as we reflect back upon it now, we arguably it's the greatest single World Series game that's ever been played. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, a great series in, in, in uh, the, the entirety. But that game six, uh, like you said, it's in the conversation as the greatest game ever played in a World Series. Um, Doc, let me, let me get to you for a second. Um, let me ask you about, and I'm going to ask Marty this too, what about the Jim Rice factor? We really haven't talked about it, but Jim Rice was injured. He got hit by a pitch in late September, uh, was not a part of the Red Sox postseason. Uh, what factor do you think that had in real life, number one, and then in the Apple replay? Well, obviously huge, a big, big part of the, the middle of that lineup, you know. Uh, you take him out. Well, it's you might as well take uh, who would be the Reds equivalent to take George Foster yeah. out of that lineup. What, what do mm-hmm. you got? Um, yeah, I mean, history might have been changed if if if, uh, if Rice had been able to play. Yeah, and and before I, g- I get to your comments, Marty, Jim Rice that year, 144 games, 309 batting average, 350 on base, 491 slugging percentage, 22 homers, 102 RBI. Yet he finished second in Rookie of the Year award voting because his teammate Fred Lynn won the Rookie of the Year with slightly better numbers. He finished third in the MVP voting behind Lynn and John Mayberry. Marty, obviously a big absence out of that lineup. No, you know, in all the years uh, that that have come and gone since then, John, if I'm out speaking to groups, and I do quite a bit of that under normal times, um, someone will inevitably bring up that World Series and I never fail to mention that we have no way of knowing whether mm-hmm. the outcome would have been different had Jim Rice been in the lineup. 
And, right. and the irony of it is that he suffered a broken hand when he was hit by a pitch thrown by Detroit uh, right-hander Vern Rule, who later became pitching sure. coach for the Reds, right. uh, as one of the finest people I've ever known in the game. Um, but I, 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 you cannot. There's no way you can uh, you can underline the importance enough uh, of having Jim Rice's bat in the in the middle of that Red Sox lineup. And the other part of it is that with him in the lineup and healthy then you change the, the, the lineup, the, the, the makeup of the lineup completely changes. Right. Uh, and, you, and so we'll never know how that would have turned out. The Reds might have won that World Series anyway, but still it's certainly a very valid talking point as far as Boston fans are concerned. Yeah, uh, no question. Uh, Doc, uh, you played the first five games solo. Uh, now you bring Marty in to play game six. Uh uh, did that strange uh, change your strategy at all? Because instead of having to concentrate on both teams, now you can concentrate just on the Red Sox. Did it change your your uh, concept going in? No, not at all, except Marty kept rolling 11s, 22s, <laughs> 66s, and that changed my strategy in-game. <laughs> you didn't get a yeah, chance to do rolled I, all those numbers. You know, I thoroughly believe that if I'd continued to play this game solo, that the Red Sox would have been champions of the world. Uh-oh. <laughs> it was just Marty's lucky rolling that did Yeah, well, end. let me tell you something else, John. <laughs> I had to help him along and and just because just because I'm the nice guy that I am, oh, yeah. and I was willing to extend the hand of Christian fellowship to him about certain <laughs> moves that he was not going to make. Uh, I, I had told to... him I fessed up. <laughs> no, did. you did. You've I already done him. that. Okay, no, well, I, did. I, did. I the told point. him I had Doug Griffin did. and didn't want to hit him. <laughs> and I said, "You got it. You get, this is a do or die. You got to have this guy pitch it." And he hits a bases loaded three run sure. triple. See, you know, that, yeah. that, hey, that, now I, 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 you know that Daryl, Daryl Johnson and Marty or, uh, and and uh, Spark Anderson were yelling to each other. Hey, you got to pinch hit for this guy. That's what happened. In oh, absolutely. I, I'm sure Sparky was doing everything he could to help Darren Daryl Johnson. And the, you know, but the one thing, the one thing I think it, that really. Uh, came home to roost for Doc and uh, and myself, uh, having played the two games against each other. Boston's bullpen was terrible. Yeah, right. I mean, it was terrible. I, I had really forgotten that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and, and, and it surfaced in the two games that we played against one another. Yeah, and Doc and I talked about that. I mean, Daryl Johnson stuck with the starters as long as he could because they were pretty good with. Uh, with Tiant and, and right on down the line, Rick Wise, the rest of them. But Sparky, Captain Hook, I mean, he'd go out there and he yanked those guys out, but he had a great bullpen to back him up. Yes, he did. And it, and especially, it, 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 once again, it makes you realize how important a good bullpen is in a World Series, especially one that was as competitive as that one is. Uh, quite honestly, and looking back, I know Moret was okay. Uh, Dick Drago was, mm -hmm. was decent, but... Uh, with all due respect, you got Jim Burton and Jim Willoughby and, and Dick Pohl and people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have the kind of cards to play that Sparky had with that bullpen he had. Uh, well, that's why yeah. in the third inning of game seven with the bases loaded, I hesitated <laughs> to pinch hit because I knew that my bullpen was lousy. And, and in that respect, even though Griffin got a three-run triple to put the Red Sox ahead, uh, my bullpen gave it up. Yeah, but wait a minute. Time out here now. I had to remind Doc when he was looking at that bunch of clowns that Darren That's Johnson true. had in the bullpen. I had to remind Doc, wait a minute, pal. This is game number seven. All hands on oh. deck. I think that's the expression I used. You can use a starting pitcher. So what does he do? He brings in a guy like Rick Wise, who had a hard time getting going after he came on to relieve uh, Roger Moret in the fifth inning, but then pitched lights out. Uh, but he was going to go with start. one of those clowns and didn't even think about his rotation. <laughs> Doc, your reaction. Yeah, he came in and gave up, he gave up a, a one of Moret's runs and he gave up three more of his own. So he wasn't exactly great. He gave but up you, two I mean, runs. Right. Wait a minute. He came in to relieve Moret. He gave up a, he gave, he, he walked. Um, he came in to face bench. He walked bench, got yes. an out of Perez and gave up an RBI base hit to Foster. A hit to three singles in a row. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he gave up three hits in a row. So he but was he was crapped. charged with only two runs. I know, he was charged with two runs. Now, 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 Doc, if I can intervene here. Now, what do you think Marty would have said if Daryl Johnson would have sent Bill Lee up to the plate 
in the third inning of the seventh game. Come on, let's be honest. You, yeah, you thank you very much. You <laughs> gotta be kidding me. Are and, you and the other part me? of that is let's 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 not overlook another very very important fact. As bad as Wise got started in coming into relief, he settled down and gave them a chance. But that puny offense from the fourth inning on was shut out on only two hits by Bourbon, Eastwick, and McEnany. Well, I added it up, Marty. The Reds' bullpen in the series went 29 innings, gave up 11 hits and five runs. That's strong. And three of those were in one game. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Uh, That that is huge. That is very strong. And really, I mean, uh, well, let's go to game seven first, and then we'll kind of come back to to some of this. But so now, so now, Marty and Doc, you go into game seven, that's everything's on the line. The Reds just shut out the Sox. And now you go to game seven. Uh, I, I got Doc's perspective. Marty, you go in. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, my thoughts were I'll get, I only hope that Don Gullett would pitch a little bit better than he had. He didn't. Um, <laughs> he did not. He, the Red Sox got to him for two runs in the first inning, and then he gave up three more in, in the third, and he was gone. Uh, and for the second game in a row um, in this ser- in, in the game six and seven, um, you know, it, it was a, well, actually just, just this game. The Reds came from behind to win game seven. But uh, that was because, again, their offense uh, was able to, to gear up and, and they got the sensational relief pitching from the aforementioned three pitchers uh, that came in after Gullet went three innings and gave up five runs. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so the, the Reds' bullpen holds out. They get enough offense uh, to win in game seven. Now, I don't know how extensive, uh, extensively you looked at the first five games, but playing the last two, who would you give the MVP award to, Marty, for the series? Boy, oh boy, I think Doc would be better qualified to, to answer that question than I could. Uh, well, yeah, Doc, and you said Gary Nolan because he threw the two shutouts in game three when the Reds were behind two games to none, and in game six when yep. – you know that, that yeah, two, two basically two. Well, one obviously was a must-win game, but game three they're not going to win this series. They fall down three zero. That's correct. And he won game three. Right. So yeah, no, no question. He only he only made two starts. Gullet made three, but his two starts were perfect. Yeah. yeah and the other thing is about that, John. I you know I pitched him. I I brought McEnany on in relief um, in game six. The Reds had a six nothing lead. And the only reason I did that was because Sparky rarely ever let any of his starters go nine innings. So I figured my my thought process was trying to go along with him. And sure. I said, you got a big lead, and Nolan's given up three hits and shut out ball in eight innings, but I'm going to bring a relief pitcher in. And I brought McEnany in, and Will retired the side in order. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you really did. That was really the way Sparky worked. I mean, he wasn't afraid to go out there and, and yank a guy. I mean, if a guy's – Throwing a shutout and he's four or five runs up, maybe. But if it was anywhere where the end of the game was in question, he'd bring on that bullpen. And why not? It, it was very, very strong. Yeah. Um, uh, going back to real life, Marty, how did you feel after the Reds won game seven? Well, I was thrilled. But, uh, you know, again, I had no means of comparison. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've told the story a million times in game six. Um you know, we were, I was not doing radio. Uh, uh, I did TV when the Reds were at home and right. when the Reds played at Fenway, Dick Stockton and Ned Martin uh, split the TV duties as representatives for the Red Sox. And so when Carb, you know, when the Reds had that big lead six to three uh, going into the eighth inning in game six, uh, NBC contacted me and, and said, we want you to go down to the visiting clubhouse and get ready for the post-game celebration. So mm-hmm. uh, I went down, and uh, I never went back upstairs again. Carbo hit the pinch hit home run off of uh, Eastwick in the bottom of the eighth to tie it, and then, of course, Fisk hit the home run uh, to win the game in extra innings. I, I never left the clubhouse. I watched the rest of the game on an eight-inch black-and-white uh, television with uh, rabbit ears, <laughs> um, and sitting on a stool in the visiting clubhouse at Fenway Park. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in the seventh game, I, I pretty much didn't do anything other than watch the game until the postgame celebration. And, uh, as I mean, it was a, it was a madhouse, uh, yeah. you know, because these guys had done what they knew they were capable of doing and, 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 and uh, took the question mark away as, in terms of, 
of uh, how good they really were. And then the, the exclamation point was doing it again the following year. And yeah. I've said all along, in all the years I've been along, uh, you know, God bless any team that wins the World Series. The hardest thing to do is not win it the first time. The hardest thing to do is win it the second time mm-hmm. with essentially the same personnel. And, and they were able to do that. Um, yeah. And and so uh, the, the series with the Red Sox and and being able to to spend time in that iconic ballpark, right? Uh, and watch a great team and and Boston was other than the the biggest weak weakness as we talked was that that ineffective bullpen, but uh, the personnel was sensational and, and it was just I was thrilled just to be in the position that I was in after only my second year in the big leagues as a broadcaster. Yeah, Doc. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the replay and, and go in hush tones into the Red Sox uh, at clubhouse. Did you feel like you let the Red Sox down losing the last two games? <laughs> no, I managed great. They played bad. <laughs> there you go. Now, if more managers would say that, you'd have a little better uh, sound bites at the end. <laughs> I made every right move, including that brilliant move of putting in Doug Griffin. In the Doug third Griffin. Inning. Doug Griffin. Doug Griffin. I mean, that, that, How about that? was only at bat. That was How about that moment in the, in the sun? I, I'll tell you what, if that Doug was, Griffin's still alive, we need to call him and tell him what happened in that uh, in game seven. That's fantastic. I, 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 can't, I can't pitch the ball for Rick Wise. <laughs> uh, uh, right, I, John, let me tell you, when he rolled yeah. the dice it, for Doug Griffin, I almost fell out of the chair. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this being the last out of the inning. And the guy gets a three-run triple. It had to be a 66, right, Doc? I'm then sure he had to roll was. again. <laughs> yeah, the double column. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I'll tell you what, that that is fantastic. Well, the Reds win at seven. I feel better about it. Uh, I, I would hate to see uh, the Red Sox snap their losing streak uh, on, uh, at the hands of the Reds, real life or fantasy otherwise. Um you guys have any other future replays in mind? I mean, if you do, you're welcome to come back. No question. Yeah, all I've got is the 75 cards. I've even played, thought, thought about getting a set. Of, I know they, the, John, they still put out sets of the oh, greatest yeah. the player, greatest teams and all that stuff. Franchise, yeah, franchise greats. And yeah, they, they do all that. If you, whatever you need, Marty, you let me know. I'll, I'll get it for you. Well, I, I, I went to the website the other day just to re- refresh my memory about. Yeah. Yeah. what they had. And, uh, I, I may eventually do it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Now I want to put you on the spot and ask you a question. Sure. Because I do not know this answer. And I know the, what seems to be the preference of more people than not, which is a better game, this one or Stratomatic? Well, <laughs> <laughs> now you probably have to ask doc that because I've never played Stratomatic. I was telling doc that I played a game when I was a teenager, maybe 12, 13 years old called be a manager. And it was similar. It had the 36 card uh, outcomes, uh, 36 number outcomes. It was played a little bit differently. Uh, but then I went from that and then in the early 80s started with APA. I've never played Stratomatic. I know guys who have. Now Doc has. And I think that's a good question for you, Doc. What do you think? Now, remember, well, you're on the, you're on this week in Apple. Yeah, Just remember. Go ahead. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I, so I, I will be political and say that each game has its own charms. How's that? Right. I will tell you one thing about Stratomatic that I like, that I believe that Apple is lacking, and, and that is the notion that certain pitchers, you know, pitchers get tired later into games, especially if they've had uh, stressful innings earlier in the games, and that's reflected right. in Stratomatic. Um, I would also say with Stratomatic, they, they take into account the uh, lefty, lefty on lefty, righty on righty percentages uh, yeah. to an extent. Uh, on the other hand, I, I think that, that APA is more playable. Uh, I think it, the, the charts are, are easier to handle. Uh, the game plays quicker. Uh, and, and for somebody as completely busy as myself, especially in this hurried and hassled time we're in right now, I like the fact that I can play quickly. And and that is that is a big key. Now it, now you guys played the basic game. There is a master game which kind of incorporates some of those things that you said were lacking, uh, Doc. But then that's it, another learning curve um, when you get it. But uh, but Marty, you've played um, and and like uh, is this the first time you've actually played? Uh, I know you had the game, but you didn't open it. This is the first time I played this game. 
since uh, either I was a, a junior or senior yeah. in Chapel Hill, That's and right. I may have played it right shortly once I went out into the workforce and got my first job in broadcasting. But it, yeah. it not uh, you can count on one hand the number of times until this came up, and and I'm appreciative of Doc for calling me uh, and and having me uh, be involved in these two games because it's kind of it's really renewed my interest and. In, like uh, going back, I've, I've never played Stratomatic. I was introduced to APA. I had no reason uh, to, to find anything lacking from my perspective in the APA game that would make me turn to Stratomatic or some other game for that matter. I was, I was overwhelmed by how much fun it was to play. And, and, and that aspect of it uh, renewed itself when we played game six and seven without any question. Well, that testimonial will go up on the website, I'm sure, Marty. So we'll <laughs> we'll make sure that gets up there. Uh, one one more question. I'll let you two guys go, and I thank you for the time. You guys have been fantastic. But um, on a real life note, uh, baseball for 2020. Um, what do you think the prospects are that we get to any semblance of a season, or is it all going to be washed out? Doc, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, we talked about this earlier. I, I think they reach a certain point where they, they have to worry about the integrity of the season. I, I, I mean, how many games can you play before you consider it a legitimate season? 100? 120? Right. I, I think to, to get to that, you're going to have to play games in, in December. I mean, if, if they want to go that far, we say we start this thing in the middle of July, which I think is optimistic at this point. But if they do... Uh, you, you've already lost three and a half months of your season. If they're willing to play the World Series, you know, Christmas Day under a dome or in a warm weather city, I guess they can do it. O otherwise, I, I don't think uh, I don't think baseball has much of a chance this year. Marty, your thoughts? Well, I think the magic number probably, John, is 100 games. Right. Uh, to me, that would that would seem to me to be the magic number to make it valid. Um, and and I, I, I would echo the sentiments that Doc had. I, I think, uh, and I'm sure the powers that be are discussing things that we have no knowledge of. Um, but if you're talking about, and I know one of the, I think Tucker Barnhart brought this up uh, a few days ago. And to begin, he's a very, very articulate, bright young man. He, yes, he's he the kind of guy that you want to be uh, a representative of your ball club. Um, he made the point, if, if you're going to carry this season too much into months that normally do not have the game, and then you turn right around, and then you begin spring training in February, now mm. you've got to be concerned about the fatigue factor and the short amount of time that players in the offseason had to recover from. Right. And that's got to be factored into this whole process also. Um, but again, I, I for me, I, to make it a valid season, uh, I think you'd have to be able to play a hundred or more games. I really do. Well, and then you, as I was talking to Doc before, you go back to 1981 where they split the season in half. Reds had the best record in baseball and didn't Correct. get to the postseason. I, I think that's still something Major League Baseball is, is has in the back of the mind and thinking, man, we really kind of messed that up. Yeah, they did. There's no question about that. Um, yeah. um, and, and there's so many things that, that, you know, every day you read something, if you go to baseball websites or network websites or whatever the case might be to read about uh, to, uh, things that are happening, it seems like every day there's some other speculation that has surfaced about what if um, it, you get overwhelmed by it all. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that uh, this game is certainly uh, first and foremost the, the people that run this game and own clubs and and oversee the welfare of this game uh, realize that there are a lot more important things right now on earth yeah. than whether or not we play baseball in 2020. And I think everybody has uh, their the their, their right perspective about this whole thing. But at the same time, you'd love to see these guys play baseball again in 2020. Uh, no, no question. And, and, you know, again, uh, on, on that note, you know, I, to, to have this kind of conversation, to have this fun and frivolity about uh, fantasy sports and, and, and going back and replaying a, a classic World Series, I, I think it's something that I think people need. I, I, you guys have mentioned it, that it took your minds off of it. It certainly has taken my mind off of it. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time you guys have given uh, to talk about this. Uh, I know the Apple community is going to be thrilled 
to hear from both of you. You can, uh, you can read uh, uh, Paul Doherty's uh, columns on the 75 World Series on Cincinnati.com, Cincinnati Enquirer as well. Uh, they are outstanding. Marty, I know you probably read them, and, and they are going back and, and, and seeing how Doc incorporates real life and real quotes into the games that were played. Uh, well, I, I can't wait. Let me, let me say this, John, and, and Doc and I are, are uh, he's one of my dear friends. Uh, we give each other a lot of verbal heat about everything imaginable. <laughs> um, but I think he knows, and I think anybody who's ever heard me talk about his work knows that and I think he's one of the real treasures in this town uh, in doing what he does as eloquently as he does. Absolutely. The only weak point is, and, and I'm going to make this offer publicly, that anytime he has uh, uh, the opportunity to sit down with me and let me conduct a tutorial, how to manage a baseball team under pressure? <laughs> I would, I'd be more than happy to do that. <laughs> that'll be that'll be our next podcast. We'll get. <laughs> no, you know what? I need a lesson. I need an app a lesson on how to rule uh, how to roll doubles. <laughs> I can't help you there, pal. Yeah, you better you. Hey, when the, when this whole thing breaks, you better go over and check those dice. Put them on the spinner. See what kind of dice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and you know what? We didn't. FaceTime this. We just did it on a conference oh, call. So you so were for going. All I know, Marty could have been fudging. <laughs> yeah, that, well, no, I, yeah, I, that, that's not true because Amanda was sitting right there at the table with yeah. me, and hey. she would have never allowed that. The other part of it is, John. Quite honestly, without getting into specifics, the language got to be a little bit blue occasionally. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, unbelievable. More, more, more from me than from Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's shocking. Absolutely I know shocking. It's, it's a stutter. I, I know it. <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I want to thank both of you. I want to thank uh, uh, Marty, your wife, Amanda, for really helping to set this up. She's been great. The whole time. Yes, she is. Uh, uh, stay safe uh, uh, and and say, give your best to, to your family. Uh, uh, Doc, you and Carrie, your wife, uh, stay safe and and your whole family. I hope uh, everything uh, uh, works out for you. And sooner or later, we're going to get through this. But for the time being, this has been a great time. I appreciate both of you coming on and taking time. Thank we you, certainly John. enjoyed it, John. Thank now, you. If, you, if you have any more replays, you let me know, and I'll, I'll, I'll we'll get them back up here. <laughs> okay. But we'll talk. All right, great. Listen, thanks to both of you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Uh, that'll wrap it up. Stay tuned for the uh, final segment of this week in APA when we return, and uh, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Thank you. Welcome back once again to This Week in Appa. I'm your host, John Azalon. And how about that, Appa fans? That was pretty darn good, if I may say so myself. Uh, a great job by Paul Doherty and Marty Brenneman uh, describing in detail their replay of the 1975 World Series. The Reds win in seven, just as they did in real life and uh, pretty much in exciting fashion, too. Three one-run games, two extra inning games in the replay as opposed to five one-run games and two extra inning games in real life. But uh, uh, just great to to kind of go back to that time in one of the greatest World Series of all time and, and then to hear uh, the description uh, from Doc and then the uh, banter between Doc and Marty uh, going over the last two games. Uh, it, it doesn't get any better than that. And I think all you folks uh, found out uh, during that interview what class acts those guys are. They are legendary in the Cincinnati area and beyond. And uh, I can't thank them enough for their time uh, to devote to this week in APA. Pretty cool. Um, before we go, a couple things that uh, I, I need to mention. Uh, one that I really w I'm not happy to mention, but uh, the first one is a, a happy thing that the brothers Weber, Kirk and Kevin uh, put out on Facebook. 
uh, and uh, on their uh, Double Take podcast, which you should check out if you get a chance, that April 15th, they wanted to remind us, is the anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball back in 1947. And and they thought it would be cool if uh, the APA community would uh, pick either a team that Jackie played for during his career with the Brooklyn Dodgers or a card from any year during his career and uh, play in a game. Uh, uh, with either the team or the card, and then posting it to the APA blog or any of the APA uh, Facebook pages uh, uh, in honor of Jackie's career. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. So uh, think about that um, for April 15th, which is coming up very, very soon. Uh, And then the sad news I I need to mention, uh, our good friend Chris White, who's a a good friend of the APA community, was a guest on my show uh, last year. Uh, He uh, posted that his mom passed away uh, last night due to complications uh, of the coronavirus, that just insidious virus that has caused all of us to have to stay at home. And uh, I just want to let Chris know that our thoughts and prayers are with him. And uh, uh, we hope that uh, he hangs in there and gets through this. And what makes matters worse is he also said that his grandmother of 93 years and his stepfather also are hospitalized due to the virus. So, uh, Chris, we know you're going through some tough times, but uh, know that the community is behind you. So uh, just just need to, uh, to make mention of that. So that'll wrap things up from here on this episode of This Week in Appa, and we will let Connie Smith play us out, a song that is well-known along the Cincinnati area. And until next time, this is John Azalon saying so long and thanks for listening to This Week in Appa.